0: Hello and welcome to Storytellers of STEM, my name is Rachel Vlani. Today's storyteller is Dr. Marga Rivas. Marga is a marine ecologist based at the University of Almeria in Spain. She's done a lot of work with sea turtles, marine conservation, ocean plastics, remote sensing, and all of these aspects combined. It's all really interesting work, so you should definitely stay tuned and listen to it. Marga is also part of Homer Bound 5 with me, so it was nice to get to know her better on a one-on-one basis. So in addition to all the cool marine work we talk about, we also talk about the HB experience so far and our favorite parts and reflect on things we've learned so far. So other things we talked about include what drew Marga to this field, some experiences seeing sea turtles, stories about the kind of work that she's doing, and why she's interested in the things she's interested in. So enjoy this conversation with Marga. Cool. So will you just like give me a short introduction to Marga and what you're doing right now?
1: Well, I'm a marine ecologist. I studied in Canary Islands, uh, mainly on fish, fisheries, fisheries and conservation and marine reserves. But I realized this was not my topic <laughs> and I moved to Lat- Latin America. I moved to Chile and then to Costa Rica, and I started working on conservation projects, uh, looking for and taking care of sea turtles. So after a while, I was working on that, and I moved to another project in the Caribbean, and I started with leather bags, and I fell in love, (laughs) and I realized my my passion was conservation, and even researching as well. So I realized that there were a lot of gaps and and knowledge should be done and I started my PhD on that. So I share the coordinating of some projects and at the same time I'm I'm doing my research uh, for my PhD and this was in in 2013 and I finished my PhD in 2015. And when I graduated, uh, I moved to, well, I was in, with internships in different countries, in, in Cuba, in Portugal, and now I'm at home in Spain. I, I'm working on the, in the University of Almeria and leading some projects on uh, climate change and sea turtles and plastic pollution, how it affects uh, marine vertebrates.
0: Uh, I can also totally see why you fell in love with leatherback sea turtles, because they are amazing and they're so big and I love them.
1: Yes, it's amazing. An amazing creature. And the first time when I, when I arrived at the, at the, on the beach and I say, what is this 500 kilos of female and amazing huge all uh, dinosaur creature? <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I've seen, I think two or three ever. And that was it. It was like, each one was just like, this is so astounding. And like, <laughs> doesn't seem real because it's, I don't know, like a sea dinosaur or something. because yeah. they're so ancient. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's so ancient and so big, and, and the difficult life that they go, they go through just to get 500 kilos and just mainly in based on in jellyfish. <laughs> and when you see all the, the, the back legs so fatty, you say, like, How is possible <laughs> you can get this weight just based on jellyfish? It's, it's incredible. It's amazing.
0: I didn't know they ate jellyfish. That's really interesting. Yeah, they're so massive and they eat jellyfish. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I, I, I can imagine the jellyfish are maybe 10 kilos each one <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And yes, it's amazing.
0: How long do leatherbacks live? I mean, they've got to be fairly long lived, but I have no idea. What the range would
1: be? Well, it's a tricky question. <laughs> a really good one. We, we we don't even know how long. Yes, they can take even because uh, the the first tagging uh, with uh, metal tags uh, was uh, implemented in, in the middle of the 60s, 70s in some projects in Tortuguero in the north of uh, of Costa Rica with greens and some leather buses as well. So. Uh, and now with this uh, telemetry, satellite tell, uh, devices is, is easier to, to follow them. But the thing is, we don't really know exact, exactly the, the oldest one. The oldest one because could be 80 years, could be more than that. We don't know because we, now we are finding with the recovering tax from the 70s or things like that. So yes, 50 years, 80 years uh, at least they can live that.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I have another question that maybe we also don't know the answer to this either. What is the like worldwide range of leatherback sea turtles? Because the ones I've seen were also in Costa Rica. Like, are they just around like the equator, around the middle? Do they kind of go all over? Do you get them in Spain? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah. Unfortunately, most of them are that on our coasts by... For instance, uh, two weeks ago, we found one completely with the was dead on 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 our shore and was completely full of plastics and massive amount. I think it was five kilos. And it's logic. It's logic when because they eat uh, yellow fish and they can, they miss uh, mis uh, identify yes with uh, with this plastics. But yes, they used to nest in the the main uh, nesting areas and they are um, at, on tropical places and equatorial places, as you said. Even in the Mediterranean, we have some some species uh, green some. Greens and loggerheads, and even in South Africa, it's a temperate uh, climate. There are some nestings, but mostly for leather And uh, all the leather, leather basses uh, lay uh, in the tropical, but they move. They is as amazing creature because they go to feed to feed uh, to the polar, the north polar. And these our our populations, uh, which uh, are nesting in Costa Rica, Guayana, all the Central and South America, they they used to go to the north to for feeding and mating, but it's amazing because in the Pacific it's the contrary thing. So they they uh, nest in Indonesia, in Papua, in these places, and and. And they move to, uh, and even in Costa Rica. But the problem is that a declining of the population just because of fisheries and high impact impact on the on those areas. But they move to the Antarctic uh, uh, places to for feeding. So it's amazing how just the same species and just a different basin, oceans, they move to the completely different places and thousands and thousands of kilometers just for for these issues
0: i had no idea that they would travel that far it's yeah yeah wildlife is cool
1: <laughs> yeah and, and even not just this uh, distances just for for this uh, feeding or this mating is they even they even uh, dive really 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 deep i think they, they might meet i always uh, imagine like that they meet with a uh, with uh, sperm whales, because they can go just maybe 2,000 meters uh, depth, so they can meet (laughs) like the giant uh, calamares, what in English?
0: Squid?
1: Yeah, squid. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Huge uh, giant uh, uh, squid, yeah. And all together, diving (laughs) at those depths is impossible for the rest of the species.
0: Yeah, that's, oh my God, that's really cool. You're full of so many turtle facts, and I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, obviously, for, for many years I've been uh, studying them because I love them. And, mm-hmm. and yes, it's amazing, amazing species. And most of the males, we don't know anything about males. We just can um, track uh, females, and and we only have one. Even if you ask me about the uh, the weight or the size, the biggest uh, the biggest uh, spe- uh, specimen. We have no idea about the biggest one. Just we found one, one, one in the offshore of Wales. It was nine, 900 kilos a male. Yes.
0: What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Almost at ton. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yes, yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. 900 kilos. Yeah. That's yeah, massive. <laughs> yeah. For females, it's 50, if, if, sorry, 500, between 500 and 600 over that. 900 kilos that is like a car <laughs> a heavy car yeah
0: yeah I can't even really imagine it's got to be harder to find the males because it's the females who come on shore to you know lay their eggs and stuff and like mm. yeah man. Okay <laughs> so this leather bag that y'all found that was full of plastic was it like all kinds of plastic Is it plastic bags because I could see how that would look like jellyfish? was it i mean yeah. i don't know what this is typical
1: yeah the, the thing is um, it's it's very difficult to to know exactly the the origin and how it's made It's why we are we have uh, carrying out this new project about to identify the the, the origin of each uh, of the polymers and what how it's made um, but yes mainly where one use plastic like uh, plastic bags um Even the problem here in this coast, just in the southeast of Spain, is we have a massive uh, agriculture intensive uh, farming. So they cover, they are uh, kilometers and kilometers, maybe one thousand, I think 500 kilometers of plastics, uh, small uh, greenhouses. And uh, it's a huge problem for the environment in general. And um, sometimes we, we have a lot of winds and strong winds, and they move and the plastic moves into the air and fall down, even in the ocean, in the Mediterranean Sea. Sorry. And yes, there are many, many sources. And even when when there's storms and the summer storms are really, really strong, and they are just throwing all the river, the dry rivers, uh, litter is introducing into the ocean and, and is why most of the this kind of of uh, animals uh, eat them. The, we are we different groups sea chassians, fish and and sea turtles and sea turtles are the, are the most affected by these plastics obviously we think it's for the for their feeding because then it, yeah it's this kind of plastics and transparents or white are really confusing and they can think it's jellyfish.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. But yeah, I knew it was a big issue in like seabirds and it's a friend of mine that works in Texas, not far from here, they figured out how they can like identify the source of the microplastic from the type of plastic with some high-tech fancy lab equipment that I don't understand, but. Oh gosh, if we could just like eliminate the source of it into the oceans, that would be amazing. But
1: uh, yeah. yeah, it's a huge problem for, for all the kind of animals. For instance, as you said, seabirds are really affected by, by them as well. And we are starting a new European project just focus on seabirds. Just try to, to, study, uh, to study which species are more, most uh, affected by them and the kind of source or the kind of plastics. We need to know all this because it's a new emerging issue and it's over the globe it's, it's in general. We, we make a revision for this uh, for sea turtles and fish and we found plastics and ingestion in this, uh, into these groups uh, over the globe. And the main places uh, with uh, this problem was the Mediterranean Sea, where <laughs> exactly where, where I am, and the southeast of uh, Asia because they are the, the one of the first producers of, uh, of plastics. And obviously all these treatments and water treatments are really bad. Um, yes, and they, they are pushing a lot of litter to, to the ocean. And so, and so these are some of the worst places, but that doesn't matter because, we, because of currents and all, everything, they are moving around the world. So even through, through the air, through the currents, marine currents and even the full our, uh through our boat traffic because we are moving boats everywhere from everywhere to everywhere. So so yeah the plastic is a new <laughs> huge problem now and in the future even more.
0: Yeah I don't expect that this problem will magically fix itself because problems don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've, I have a question. Um, what drew you to marine ecology in the first place? Is it something you grew up being interested in? Was there a certain thing that sparked for you? What was it?
1: Well, uh, exactly no marine biology, because I study biology in general, and then I, I decided uh, decide to, to specialize in marine, in marine ecology. But my man said, uh, when I was over six years old, I was just taking all the animals, death or almost dead animals into my house. I, I thought it was a, you know, a, a care center. <laughs> and my that I say, Marga, please, no more animals. And even the, the, the dead ones. <laughs> i was, no, no, mama, you can save them. <laughs> so that means, yes, I, I, I didn't even know what was a, a biologist. But yes, I think it was... Uh, from the beginning of my life, what, what, what I wanted to be. And yes, I, and I wanted, I always loved uh, the earth and, and the animals and everything. So, and conservation was my, my main priority. And even after, well, was starting with a, um, with a specialization in marine biology, marine ecology, I I decided to to start with the marine biology, but I I love zoology and everything in general.
0: It was similar for me too, where I was just like, I remember sitting in the shrubs at my parents' house as a kid, just like watching all the birds. And I finally figured out what one of them was. And I was just so excited and proud of myself. (laughs) It was the same idea. So like birds were my biology, I don't know, intro, I guess, and sort of just carried that on. Yeah, so I'm always just curious if it was similar for other people as well, uh, which often it is, which is kind of interesting. Mm, and then we yes. all find our, our favorite thing that we want to work with, which for me isn't. I mean, I do love birds, but for me, it's wetlands, which is where birds live, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think it's we as biologists, we love nature and we love everything. So obviously, there are some, you know, some groups or some landscapes we love more. For me, for instance, in uh, respect to bot- botany or plants, is the um, tropical forests. When I went the first time, I was like, well, I'm coming from a, almost a desert. <laughs> so when I, when I, I arrived in the tropical places, the tropical forest, I say, a rainforest, and say, what is <laughs> how much about biodiversity can you find in one meter so it was so i was so in shock i said yes i want to to be working or at least uh, researching on these places for the rest of my life and i'm and i'm trying <laughs> i'm getting
0: yeah that's awesome um because i looked uh, i always google everybody before we have an episode and i saw your research gate page and it had you know Microplastics and remote sensing and sea turtles and climate change and so you are definitely doing all of the good work.
1: <laughs> I'm trying. I know. I I, I say I always say I know I know I'm spreading not, not nothing and in everything, but most of the time in nothing and I'm learning all the time. But yes, I have a lot of uh, amazing collaborators and, and mates and colleagues and and yes, I try just to, yes, to implement new new tools and new things. Everything can help us to to improve our knowledge and into to you know uh, contribute on conservation
0: yeah and uh, a lot of things are connected (laughs) you know like climate change kind of connected to everything (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it will impact everything yeah
1: Mm -hmm. you realize when we started with something anthropogenical effects or impacts as a what Lighting, <laughs> sea level rise, climate change, global warming, and plastics, and I cannot non-stop. <laughs> this is like a, yes. You say it's not a, just. I, I try to to mix uh, ecology knowledge with uh, threats as well because it's our problem, and we need to we need to contribute to yeah to minim- minimize these uh, these problems. So.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like we have put ourselves in this mess, and it's our responsibility to fix it. <laughs> mm, yeah, totally. like a sense of stewardship, I guess. Mm,
1: yes, yeah. and we have in our hands. And obviously, it's important basic knowledge and basic uh, basic science. But for me, it's more yes, practice and practical and useful. If we, if I spend my time and all my efforts just to contribute to to find new ways to, to manage, minimize these huge problems we are facing
0: um is there anything unexpected you've discovered about yourself during your career so far Oof, a <laughs> well,
1: so a question well it
0: stumps everybody which is why i've been asking it recently <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's true i don't really know because it, I always knew I was very perseverance. I don't know if the adjective, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's this one. Because, if, you know, academia, academia maybe in the US I think it's easier, but in Spain, Europe, and even Latin America is very difficult and to get money is very difficult and you have really great ideas and you say yes yes no (laughs) all the projects fall down and the calls and a new call and a new project and new postdoc and blah 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 all the time and i thought uh, for a moment i i thought i'm not going to be pushing 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 maybe i i'm going to fall down or giving up before yeah but amazingly (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm still here and I'm getting things and results, out, outcomes. I'm very happy for that. And yes, it's like a, a, a run, <laughs> running all the time.
0: Yeah. Sounds like you are sticking with it despite all the challenges of academia.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I completely have another idea. And, and even when when you can change uh, change things, and you don't like uh, hierarchies, and you don't you have another model, and it's why we are in how are bound as well. But uh, yes, it's a, a matter of li- another kind of living. And uh, but in academia, and with a lot of uh, you know titular, and professors, um, you have to deal with uh, this, the standard academia and you say oh my gosh <laughs> how can i leave this one And yes it's a little, sometimes most of the time it's a little bit frustrating but we need to to keep uh, fighting <laughs> for a better world
0: yeah i totally agree I don't have that willingness to. First of all, I didn't ever want to get my PhD, but I was like, I will support other people who have great research ideas and are willing to fight that battle. And I will help them run those things on the ground. That is my sweet spot. But you got to, yeah, have both, right? So good for you for sticking with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I try to do with some, uh, yes, as students, in the, in the, because for me, it was the same. I have an a, a awful advisor. I have to to deal with my publications yes on my own and it was really difficult to get my PhD. Mm-hmm. And and now I know how how things have not to be done. <laughs> I have really clear how how you how we can do things in a better way. So I try to to support and encourage other women and other mates just yes. When when they have at the same situation with all full advisors as well, um, and just showing them that there is another uh, way to do things, and just is yeah, I think is um, because they are really good people. Right? Just give it, is giving up for the things you say. It's like um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's very difficult to have the willingness to to continue keep going on your mm-hmm. ideas and dreams.
0: Yeah, and in my yeah. experience my limited academic experience. Uh, there weren't a lot of role models or professors willing to answer random grad student questions because I just did new to the system or whatever, you know? And so that can be really challenging. Um, it sounds like you maybe had a little bit of a challenging experience along those same lines but are also kind of working to fix the whole system which is amazing.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible. It's difficult. Like I have to to <laughs> to be honest with with all the rest of the people. But yes, it's really difficult. But mm-hmm. for me, is there is an, not another way to do things, because you know, obviously you have. I have two options: or I'm doing what how I can do things, or I go into academia with the same thing, like the same comment is things are like this. I say no, things are like you are contributing to things don't change and they want to be there to do the same as you so so yes it's possible I think it's, it's hard but it's really you know really grateful yeah
0: yeah I again not in academia but I think for me and it sounds maybe similar for you because I didn't ever really have like a role model or mentor or someone I could like turn to, I try extra hard to be that person to people who might be working for me that are like on a different level. I mean, not that we have a strict hierarchy, but, you know, like I've got a new student worker this summer and I'm just trying to be very accessible to her. And like whatever question you have, like I'm trying to be very clear because that's something nobody ever did to me. And so I'm just like, and that sucks. So like, let's, let's try a whole new system come- coming around and it's what it sounds like you're doing too, which I think is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's I totally agree. It's it, how you can encourage students and hope you can get the best of them. And obviously it's, you, it's some work on that, but you have to do it because you are an advisor, you are more experienced than those people and you have to do it, it's your role. And the problem is we are used to, to, to be dealing with people. They don't want to spend any time just teaching or they don't really like it or I don't know where they are doing with their lives <laughs> honestly yes it's, it's, it's difficult but yes we have to do it and and even the role models in women I I didn't I've never seen a, a, a women a scientist I would say okay Jane Gold, goldal or whatever but they are so far from us yes it's Jane Goldal. you know it's like a, you, you can see a, close to um, people and women like you where you say okay you can do it you have to just to you have to try and push and that is the the key and then I may for me it's amazing when I, I I go to for a secondary school or whatever some of my friends all the time Marga please come to the my, my daughter's school You say oh okay <laughs> okay yeah I go I go there um, for instance for the day of women in science or uh, the women and daughter in science and this kind of days international days and after a while and say total blah, 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 I try to motivate them. and after that uh, after the, the talk they ask me how many of you want to be a biology <laughs> a scientist <laughs> and they are all so motivated and I love that because you know doesn't matter obviously most of them are not going to be scientists and
0: it's great also great yeah that's awesome of you to just be like here I am I'm a woman scientist you're probably having an impact on a lot of those kids which is great hopefully (laughs) I try for me I never had that as a kid but like Uh, I grew up, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s and like the X-Files was on TV here and like seeing Dana Scully on TV as she was this scientist and doctor and like also a whole person and like her life didn't revolve around, you know some dude all the time you know on, on tv but like you know what i mean it was like she can be a person and a scientist and be awesome and like that was such an inspiration to me which i didn't even realize till way later <laughs> but that was my role model but fictional people can be role models too but it's even better when they're real
1: <laughs> yeah but yes that's great you you had the opportunity to see those mm-hmm. uh, women on tv that's it. If for here in spain was impossible i think
0: mm-hmm. i don't
1: remember as a, a women scientist on TV. And right, maybe yeah. now with the COVID, sometimes when a microbiologist is saying Margarita Sala is one of the top and say, oh yeah, I hear. And she's 70 years old. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's very difficult to say, okay, it, to, your role model is, is fine, right? but you no, know it's close to you, you know, it's going to be your grandmother. Mm-hmm. So it's good, but <laughs> if there are a lot of uh, women scientists between you and your grandmother.
0: So right. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. yeah um sort of along these same lines then do you have any advice for someone maybe you something you always tell people but like advice for someone interested in a career like yours or this path or something
1: the thing is people most people are so frustrated and so sad And all the time the the TV and and the system is telling them, no, 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 you are not able able to get it. No, 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 you are not good enough. No, 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 this is a competition just to get the the better one and not the better one. And all this stuff every day. So for us, uh, for me, was completely different. It was a moment when, when my parents and all the society around was like, you can get it because you are going to go to the university because we couldn't, for instance, my parents. and. You can get it you, so all the time all this support this is essential when you are a child and when so when i try to 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 advise some uh, students or at the college or whatever or the the high schools i say you can do it. this i try to be, to to say these kind of things because it's true it's a matter of uh, of, uh, of willingness <laughs> but the thing is if you are Listening, for instance, as a biologist, I always, after a while, when I I decide to to go to the biology, most of the people, no, 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 you are not going, you are not getting a job. Biologist? Are you, are you kidding me? And no, no, you have to be a lawyer. You have to be a doctor. (laughs) This kind of stuff. And if you are a child, you say, if they, they, you know, you you believe in them and you say if they are telling me all these kind of things maybe it's uh, they're right i would say no no they are not right you can get it whatever you want and whatever you decide if you really love it you will get it
0: i think that's great advice um yeah i i had sort of like similar backlash maybe I will call it with my family when I chose to major in wildlife ecology <laughs> they were like you'll never get a job and I was like it'll be fine I'll figure it out they wouldn't offer a major if you can't get a job right like maybe kind of naively this was just like no this sounds amazing I'm gonna do it anyway and then they were just mad about it for a while and whatever but yeah and then now like I have never really had much issue getting a job. And I think it's just because these jobs maybe aren't as visible. Like everybody knows, doctor, lawyer, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's biologists doing all kinds of work all over the world, you know.
1: It's the same thing, the media, you know, you are not good enough for for if you are not doing this role typical role jobs like a lawyer do, if you are good you have to be a lawyer or a, or a, medic, a doctor or whatever mm-hmm. but n- no yeah. <laughs> that's not the way to to you know to take care of our children
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. i agree yeah one of my family's yeah. arguments was you'll never make any money i'm like but i love it and i'm sure i'll make enough to live on <laughs> like i'm not gonna sure. be rich but that's yeah. enough
1: for me, and yeah. so. So th- yeah. that's a clue because if what is better, the like happiness or rich? <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a really important question. You you, you need to have all, with your children. You say okay, mm-hmm. no. What what you really love? That is what you have to. do mm-hmm. Other, Otherwise, you are going to be frustrated, sad angry all the time and you are going to be at shit life sorry
0: (laughs) yeah no I totally agree (laughs) yeah yeah I was like I'll figure it out I just need enough money to have basic supplies and buy dog kibble that'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) that is enough (laughs) yeah it's gonna be fine yeah um I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about Homeward Bound my I always want to know how people heard about it so how did you hear about Homeward Bound?
1: Oh, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was uh, it was maybe it was on TV, it was on the radio. I think I, it was the media, and I saw what well, is a project where the scientists go to Antarctica. I said what, and I put in my agenda. I said okay for the next call, I, I need to remember this and try to. Yes, I didn't know anyone, anyone at all, mm-hmm. uh, before uh, former, former participants, and just to yes i tried and i sent it and they got they got me and they said oh yes Yeah, that's amazing <laughs> yeah, I, yeah it was amazing At first i was like when i see all the you know the commitments and etc i said uh, i don't know <laughs> and i called one of the former the the previous uh, participants and she was uh, she was based on switzerland i think and we met and i said please tell me if it's possible to get all the you know the the funding and and, and how was the, your experience blah, blah blah. and she advised me and um, was great so what i decided to to accept to be here
0: yeah that's awesome and so i'm always just i'm just curious but that's really cool yeah what was it that was so appealing to you about homeward bound was it all the women in stem in one group was it antarctica was it the education part of it? Was it all the above?
1: <laughs> uh, to me, it was something deeper at, at first. It was like, a, as, I said, as I said before, I felt like a lonely, alone, <laughs> because I was a woman, a scientist, and with a diff- another per- perspective than most, most of the people around me. I felt like a, something I was really looking for, just to, to get a, a networking from women and learning from women around the world. And it was like, a, I saw like a huge opportunity, but no, not just uh, the hunger bound uh, in, in itself, like a uh, networking uh, or um, project, just more disconnection, like, like this uh, talk today, Today, like other collaborations with, with uh, Juliana from Australia as well, Saida from Brazil and amazing contributions for my life and for my experience and for everything. So I, I was looking for that. And when I got it, I said, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that totally resonates with me um, because it's similar it's like adjacent to why I applied as well. I was like feeling a bit lost in my career and I was like, I feel like I needed to learn some new things, but it's not really an opportunity in my job where I, you know, where I was at at that point in time. And it was like, I would some point like to gain more skills and, position myself in a way where I'm not always doing field work at some point in the ambiguous future. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's just not, not opportunities for strategy or leadership in my job. And so- that was really appealing to me. And then secondary was like meeting all the amazing people. And third was like going to Antarctica. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Are you sure?
1: <laughs> yes. For me as well, what I realized about, the, about all this uh, you know, process and even with our situation with the COVID mm-hmm. and, and all the postponed trip and on all these, these things, it's about uh, the impact on visibility. Mm-hmm. Before that is what I say. I never saw. On TV, a scientist, and now they are calling me. And, and the first time was like, ah, "No, I don't want to do this." <laughs> but after a while, I say, "If I am not doing this, who is going to go, is going to do it?" Yeah, and, and I'm just saying, like, uh, "No, we have to contribute." Blah 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 blah, blah. And in mm-hmm. a real yeah, moment, you have to you have to do. It. So mm-hmm. yes, at first it was like, yeah, uh, uh, some important newspaper calling me just to know about my research or about my life. I was like, ah. <laughs> but yes. After a while, I say, okay, I'm going to do it, and it's not mm-hmm. it's not so, you know, so bad.
0: <laughs> it's scary it's like, at first, though, right? Yes. Like it's yeah. a big step.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of even, I'm doing it. Yeah, and even for because I have like a fear, fear, aesthetic fear. And so for my dissertations, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to do this. And for my PhD as well, it was like a suffering all the time, suffering two days before, during and after the <laughs> <laughs> dissertation was like, I don't want to do this. And it has been amazing how, how the involvement on these disability mm-hmm. fears and... Mm-hmm. Um, and after well, it's, it's practice It's this mm-hmm. like, like in a bike <laughs> um, yeah. it's the same it's the same first at first you don't feel comfortable and it's really difficult because you say, "Oh, I didn't know about my life and blah and blah 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 on my face all the time And after a while you say has to be done. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, it definitely does get easier with practice. <laughs> yes, it's true mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I can't really be visible within my job. Just, it's just the nature of who I work for. Um, Hmm. But that's where this podcast came in. I was like, I can't really talk about my work explicitly. I could talk about the kinds of things we do. I was like, but I could totally talk to other people and like bring them up and talk, you know, like support them. And it's like, that's, that's what works really well for me. It's like, helping others and having these conversations is just, I learned so much and I get to meet amazing people and then it put it out in the world and the first couple episodes I put out I was just like ah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's out in the world now and now it's just like yeah okay this is an awesome episode like go out in the world everybody enjoy it you know yeah, yeah get, that, get that's the can. point
1: it's it uh, yes I think that's the point uh, to enjoy it and but obviously it's you know it's very common not at, at first to be Afraid, afraid of that mm-hmm. but now you are great doing the interviews <laughs> and you had a really good podcast with high impact and this is important and
0: yeah, yeah and you know it's out there and it's free and it's you know on the internet on a bunch of platforms that people can choose to listen to so it's accessible mm-hmm. which is good
1: yes right yeah, it's
0: great. <laughs> yeah, yeah and,
1: and and even for for yourself because you feel confident more confident now and you and even for the, this visibility path, it's great to... Your it's what works
0: for me. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's different for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, also selfishly a platform where I can just like ask amazing people all these random questions that are in my head. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not too yeah. bad. That's <laughs> fun, yeah. yeah and fun. has a good goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you what your favorite part of the Homerbound journey is so far, but it sounds like it's like the connections in the community which honestly is my favorite part too, but if I'm wrong, let me know.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. It's the connection and no mm. no amazing women and otherwise it could be could be impossible because we are in, in different places around the world mm. and and it's great whole Most of us, we have the same vision, the same goals and to change things Mm -hmm. and and be better. And I think this this is really, really nice and constructive.
0: Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I like to end my episodes talking about non-STEM related things with two simple questions. You down for that? The first one is because we're all people, we all have hobbies. So what are your hobbies?
1: Now I, I know just for some, I like to do yoga, this kind of uh, sports and meditation, blah, blah, blah. But I live now, I'm going to show you, now I, I chose to build my, with my own hands, my house. And I live in the mountains and I put a huge, a huge uh, window to see yes. the animals, so I have my yeah, my binoculars, and this is my hobby. My hobby is see all the the bears are crossing, eagles, and all the stuff I have in my home. And, Amazing!
0: Yes. I love it. The view <laughs> is spectacular.
1: Yes, and I have a lot of yes. I don't know the the English names, but I have a lot of uh, small birds, and they're coming. they are coming. The one is with colors green blue and they go to Africa in summer in winter and in summer they are coming back and they eat a, a beast and they move around in groups and, and I take my binoculars and, and I put in my hammock and I say mm,
0: what are you <laughs> that's awesome I love that like so much fighting. yeah <laughs> oh yeah and your view is spectacular that's amazing I love it I also have a giant window, but my view is way less spectacular. So, <laughs> yeah, just out into my yard um, where I like to sit pretty often. <laughs> but I'm in the middle of town, as you heard the ambulance just go by. It's less, less beautiful, but gotta have those spaces that make you happy, right? Okay, my second question is what are you reading right now, if anything?
1: And um, it's in Spanish this time and is. The name is Sapiens. (gasps) That book is so
0: good.
1: Yeah. Sapiens is about evolution and the name is uh, from animals to gods. This Mm -hmm. is the name of the, and and this is Jubal Noah Noah Harari. And it's for biologists. So I recommend you this one because it's a really good one. I also recommend
0: it. It was very good. (laughs)
1: yeah how we are animals and sometimes we think we are gods and we are destroying our planet just for this
0: mm. issue. yeah that's a solid book recommendation <laughs> <laughs> i like that because i i am a s- not so secretly avid reader and so i always am looking for books and to see what people are reading around the world because it's different and it's interesting and i like that mm. so that's awesome um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Do you have any questions for me? Do you want to talk more about something we sort of skimmed over? Is there anything like that? Can I
1: ask you something?
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> because this is an interview, but I love to to make
1: questions to the interviewers as, as well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what is your dream? Do you want to to be researching uh, for the next uh, years, or what? Do you want to be a women leader in your field, or what do you want to do? What is your dream?
0: I think I'm not very good at like forward planning and strategy, which is why I've been struggling so much with the Hummer Bound homework. I'm like, I don't know. I know I want to be employed and buy dog kibble. <laughs> like, but beyond <laughs> that, I've been, I've had a hard time. So I've been really struggling with it because I've sort of just sort of gone from okay, that sounds interesting. I'm going to do that next. That sounds interesting. I'm going to do that next, you know? And so that has just gotten me where I am. Um, But I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think what I want is like my dream, I guess, has become that I would like to continue working in wetlands and wetlands restoration and conservation on this big monitoring project that I work on and work towards that because the Louisiana coast is sort of at a like make it or break it point in the next maybe 10 years, I'm guessing. I'm sort of ballparking it, but we're sort of at this like critical point And I want to just keep working to sort of like save our coast, which is the tagline of a couple of conservation organizations here. And I keep wanting to keep doing that. And the way that I can best do that is going to be continue doing field work for a while and also like train up the next era of the field scientists for our organization, I think, and then transition into sort of project or program management and like running things from that angle. Um, Cause I'm hyper organized <laughs> and I think that I could be really good at that. So that's sort of Maybe not the most glamorous of dreams necessarily, but I think that's that's where I want to go with this, and that that where I can have the biggest impact. And as for like the leadership side, doing that transition will definitely involve like working with a team, and so the, all these things I'm learning in Homer Bound will be very useful. Yeah, I guess that's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. After that, I got nothing. I don't know. That's like the next 10 years. (laughs) I don't know after that. Like, probably it will just continue, right?
1: (laughs) For me, 10 years ahead is a lot. (laughs) With three or four,
0: yeah. yeah. Usually, like, six months. I'm like, all right, I'm good for the next six months. I'm good for the next six months. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Me too. So it was a great answer. And I love it. Yes.
0: Yeah keep trying to save the wetlands is the short answer <laughs> yeah
1: yeah we need to, to keep uh, trying to save the uh, the world and the planet earth and so yes we need you <laughs> i had a
0: conversation well. with my coworker the other day about this and i'm you know because my gr- i saw my grandma a couple of weeks ago and she asked she asked if i had saved the wetlands yet and i was like well it's not such a yes or no question like Some areas are more stable. Some areas are less stable. Some are okay. You know, it's like sort of a matrix all across the Louisiana coast. And so I was talking to my coworker about that and I was like, but doing nothing is not an option. Like we have to do everything because we rely on wetlands for storm surge protection and hurricanes and water filtration and their estuaries for shrimp and birds and all these wildlife and fisheries and like yeah. our way of life in south louisiana basically relies on there being a lot of wetlands and so doing nothing not an option so no, just not, not a problem. <laughs> we need to, we have
1: to yeah keep going and
0: and give mm-hmm. our best yep exactly yeah so i'm gonna just keep doing that <laughs> just <Yeah>. keep going <laughs> just keep going that's yeah that's the
1: clue uh thank you very much rachel it was amazing to meet you and and I, I can't wait to uh, see you in Antarctica.
0: <laughs> yes. It's going to be amazing when we finally get to meet in person. Um, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this and for doing it in English. I appreciate yeah. you. So much. Thank you. very. It much. was perfect. You're amazing. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Hey, y'all. It's Rachel here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I just wanted to have a quick reminder that if you or a friend or someone you think would be a good guest, if you have any people like that, let me know or send them my way in some way. Um, And how you can do that is you can find me on Twitter, at Flying Cypress. You can find the podcast on Facebook, at Storytellers of STEM, that's STEM with two M's. We also have a shiny new Twitter account for the podcast, so you can find the podcast on twitter at storytellers42 yes i'm a nerd you can also email me storytellersofstem at gmail.com or you can find me and everything else on my website rachelvelani.com so you have loads of ways to get in touch with me i want to hear from you go like the facebook page follow me on twitter follow all the storytellers on twitter since they're mostly all there and just you know have a good day and thank you for listening Oh, oh,